Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. The Rise of Co-Vocation and Marketplace Ministry We are witnessing an increasing trend toward co-vocation and marketplace ministry. Co-vocation embodies the reality that one's profession, be they a teacher or plumber, engineer or photographer, and the call of God to make disciples are not distinct, isolated roles, but rather interlinked and equal. Fueled by a strong missional desire to share the gospel with those outside of Christian faith, many today are engaging in their marketplace work as missionaries, both domestically and globally. Organizations like Scatter Global exist for this distinct purpose of matching marketplace workers to global missional opportunities. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers considers all work as a sacred calling and through which the gospel can be planted. Disciples reproduced, new churches emerge. There is a growing conviction that your work is your ministry and your ministry is your work. Said alternatively, who we are is not defined by our work but our work is defined by who we are as Christ followers and disciple makers. Similarly, we are witnessing a shift toward co-vocation among church planters in Canada. Today, many planters are choosing to plant co-vocationally rather than as full-time paid vocational clergy. There is a shift away from the traditional brick-and-mortar attractional model church as an effective environment for making new disciples. This realization is causing many to explore new ecclesial and ministry models that would increase missional opportunity and behavior. This is not to dismiss traditional churches or imply they are inherently non-missional or ineffective at making disciples. Rather, Such discontentedness is rooted in a missiological desire to disciple the multitudes of women and men historically outside of the reach of the traditional model church. To this end, co-vocation is becoming a first option instead of a last resort. Good morning. As, as I was trying to figure out what I was going to say this week, um, all, all I could keep coming back to was discipleship. And then as I was thinking about discipleship, uh, I asked myself, how have I actually seen uh, discipleship in my own life? Uh, how have I been discipled by others? And there's two stories that came to my mind. Uh, the first one uh, was, what, was uh, when I was in approximately grade 11, uh, my dad decided to take me and one of my other buddies, and then occasionally a third friend would come in, uh, and we would meet, like, every week, every other week, just to talk. And as we would meet, my dad would ask us things like how our life was going, uh, how we've been doing with school and classes, and then also how, how, we, how our walk with Christ was going. But he would intentionally ask us 
um, how we were doing with God, knowing that like every relationship, uh, that sometimes our emotions would vary depending uh, on the day or the week that we were having, that sometimes we would say, man, my walk with God this week is just not good. And other weeks we would be like just on fire for Jesus and say that our relationship with Christ was amazing. He would then ask us how we've been processing through um, what, what emotions we've been feeling and how we would atten- intentionally spend time with Christ, whether that was through Bible reading, uh, through prayer, through our own journaling, or through our own form of private worship. And as we did this, uh, we grew in, our, in relationship with each other. So the three of us, uh, me and my buddy and my dad, would grow in relationship with each other. Uh, but we would also grow in our relationship with Christ because we would constantly be challenged and about how we were interacting with God. And my dad did this uh, up until the point that they left for Mexico. So he did this for a number of years with us. Uh, but because my dad was bringing us into relationship and helping us grow, uh, he actually... Uh, challenged me and my buddy uh, to be the speakers of one of our uh, youth retreats that we did. So um, my youth group growing up, we would have two youth retreats, and one of them was typically student-led, aside from the speaking. But because of this discipleship that my dad was going through with me and my buddy, he challenged us and was like, this this retreat is fully going to be youth-run, and you guys are going to be the speakers for that weekend. And because of how my dad was pushing us and discipling us, uh, he taught us the basics on how to exegete scripture and then also how to teach others about what the Bible says and what the Bible has to offer. So that's one way that I've seen discipleship in my life. Uh, The second uh, thing that came to my mind about being discipled uh, was one of my youth leaders growing up. Um, His name was Matt, and he was my youth leader all throughout junior high and high school. Uh, The way that he discipled me was slightly different than the way that my dad discipled me. Of course, Matt would talk to me about uh, God and my faith while we were at youth group, uh, but he never actually pushed anything. He never forced the conversation to go one way or another. Uh, He would ask me some questions uh, as we were talking, but then he would leave leave it to me to decide where the conversation was going to go that night. So if I wanted to talk about God in the Bible, absolutely we'd talk about God in the Bible. Or if I wanted to talk about something completely different, he'd be absolutely okay with us talking about that other thing. But Matt didn't just disciple me at youth. Uh, that, that wouldn't really be discipling if it was just happening at youth. Uh, and just talk to me for a couple hours. During the week, Matt would invite me out to do whatever he was doing. I remember clearly him inviting me to go out uh, and buy materials to build a canoe. We, he just like called me up one day and was like, hey, I'm going into the city and because I'm planning to build a canoe, do you want to come with me to buy all of the wood and the nails and the screws and the finish that I need? And we can just hang out. We can maybe like grab lunch, grab coffee, whatever. And Matt brought me in to do that. And then every now and then I'd actually be able to go over to his house and help him build the canoe. And that's how Matt would disciple me is we would just go and do life together. He would bring me out into the world with him and show me how, just how to be a Christian uh, within the world. And this, it's slightly different than with my dad, because I knew that my dad was a Christian, and I knew that my dad was a godly man, and I knew that my dad acted that way. But to see somebody else who wasn't a pastor to actually go out into the world and see how he interacted with people was, was pretty, pretty helpful for me to see how a Christian should live. So these are two ways that I've seen people disciple uh, me in my life. This morning, we're going to be talking about uh, co-vocational ministry and how that relates to church planting. And then we're going to talk about Mark Place Ministry and how that plays into missions. And then we're going to be looking at 
uh, how this all points to discipleship within our own lives. So let's look at co-vocational ministry. Uh, Before we really dive into it, uh, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page for what the definition is of co-vocational ministry, as some of us might have uh, slightly different definitions for the term. So the definition that we're going to use this morning is uh, someone who feels a call to church ministry and not to do so in a full-time paid way, uh, but to harness their calling as their calling to church ministry with their existing profession. So that could be like carpentry, engineering, uh, photography, or whatever that might be. So with that definition, some of you might be thinking uh, of somebody who is a bivocational pastor, uh, which is something that is slightly different. So a bivocational pastor is typically someone who wants to work full-time for the church, uh, but the church doesn't have enough uh, finances, so they have to find a second job to support them as they pursue ministry. But somebody who is in co-vocational ministry isn't looking for a second job uh, because the church doesn't have enough money to support them. They feel a call to work within the church and the job that they uh, already have regardless of what the pay is. So I was talking with Nick Cadoon, and if some of you remember who Nick Cadoon is, he was one of the guys here who spoke at the Everyone Everywhere conference, uh, and then the Sunday after that he preached here. Um, so he's one of the guys who wrote uh, this, this part of the trend tracker. So I was talking with him, and he was saying that co-vocational ministry is typically applied to those who are called to church planting, and not necessarily people um, who are called to just vocational ministry, such as uh, myself, Pastor Greg, and I believe Pastor Amy feels that same way. Um, but that this was specifically to people uh, called to church planting. And as I was talking with, with him, uh, he gave me a fantastic definition on how this trend uh, how, how it applies to this trend, and how we're going to be talking about it. He said, I would tend to use co-vocational language around those who feel called specifically to church planting and to do so not in a full-time uh, vocational clergy sense, uh, i.e. my paycheck comes from the church tithes, but to harness their calling to church planting with their existing profession. This co-vocational uh, approach of having one foot in the church world and one foot in the marketplace is becoming more and more uh, normative and first choice for church planters who long to see a new church birth uh, that would outreach new people in new places. This is more about a model and philosophy of church planting and being intentional about me- meeting people where they're at. So historically, uh, church planting within the Western world has been something uh, to develop and establish um, lasting churches. Uh, so and decent-sized congregations within a specific uh, neighborhood with a distinct church building, um, and that, that that church building would use specifically for Sunday morning services, if they have a youth group for that, or any other kind of event uh, that they wanted to host and facilitate. Uh, and we can see that in our area. So Haith Alliance was the first um, alliance church within the area to be planted, and then from there, uh, a couple people from... Uh, Hythe Alliance, I believe, came and planted Beaver Lodge Alliance, uh, and then somebody else was called from Beaver Lodge Alliance, and they took people from our congregation and planted Grand Prairie Alliance. And so for those interested, um, the way that that worked was two women who had a heart for evangelism were called out to Hythe, and they were supported by the district to go and plant Hythe Alliance. And I believe that if, if the church had enough finances to support them, they would have just done that, but they had other jobs to support themselves. Um, because of finances. Um, And then Hythe Alliance to Beaver Lodge and then Beaver Lodge out to Grand Prairie. And in the beginning, the pastors of these churches needed to work other jobs to help support themselves financially. 
uh, but their hope was to be able to support, to be supported solely by the church and not have to find a second job outside of that vocational ministry. So this is how many churches that we have today are planted. So if you were to go across all of Alberta, across Canada, across the United States, that's how a lot of our churches were planted, was somebody was called, they went to establish a specific and distinct church within that area, and then have that grow. But this in part, um, yeah, this in part due to the nature of the calling of these new church planters to work, uh, and the church as well, sorry, I am lost in my notes. Yeah, so this is how many churches uh, were planted today. However, this renewed model of co-vocational ministry uh, is beginning to grow, and this is because of the nature uh, of these callings uh, that the new church planters have uh, to work in the church as well as the marketplace. But I believe it's also because it's something that uh, the younger generations are actually wanting to see for the church. So I've had conversations with uh, a number of different friends, and they're kind of unhappy with the model of church that we have today. And they're longing to see smaller groups of people. They're wanting deeper connections with fewer people. And they want to see uh, the pastors more involved within uh, different areas of the world. And I believe that's partially where this new model is coming from because more and more church planters are seeing, man, all of these smaller communities, these people are wanting deeper connection with others. uh, But they're not able to get that within uh, some of these bigger churches. And with this new model of planting church, it mostly creates that smaller house church where it is easier to have uh, and form stronger connections with those um, around them and to spur each other onto Christ. And that's not to say that the way that we do church is wrong or the way that uh, us pastors function within the church is wrong. Uh, It's just a longing to see uh, something new, something different, and to see deeper connections. So although co-vocational ministry uh, might be starting to spread more and more church planters are following this model, it isn't actually something that's new at all. And we can see this uh, through the life and ministry of Paul. So Paul is a great uh, example of co-vocational ministry. Paul, so after his encounter on the road to Damascus, Paul became a very prominent figure within the early church. He went around and planted multiple different churches and wrote a number of different books that we, that we can see within the New Testament. But Paul was actually also a tent maker. He wouldn't just go and tell people about who Jesus was, plant a church, and then move on to the next place to plant a church there. He would use his skills as a tent maker to reach people uh, to some extent, but would also um, use, use that as a way to support himself on his journey instead of solely relying uh, on the church to help him financially. So a clear spot that we can see Paul using his skill as a tent, as a tent maker, uh, as a way of spreading the gospel, is actually within uh, Acts chapter 18. So here it says that Paul uh, was working with a couple of other tent makers, and then every Sabbath he would go to the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks uh, about Jesus. So Paul would operate in a similar way to these church planters operate now, going to different places and using uh, their job to bring uh, the gospel to different places while simultaneously, uh, sorry, using his job to bring him to different places while simultaneously telling those that are in the area about Jesus and then plant a church in the area and continue on to the next area and of potentially unreached people groups. And we can see that in Acts. He wasn't there specifically necessarily to um, tell people about the gospel. That was, that was a part of it, but he was also there just as a tent maker. He was there with a number of other tent makers 
using their skill and their trade. And then on his off day is when he would go and teach others about who Jesus was. So to quickly sum up, co-vocational ministry uh, is where people go to make disciples in smaller home church type settings uh, while allowing their job to support them and create new opportunities of outreach to those that are around them. Uh, So now for marketplace ministry. So in my conversation again with Nick Kadoon, I asked him how he would define what marketplace ministry is, and he gave me another fantastic definition. He said marketplace ministry has to do more with uh, discipling one's coworkers and using their job to give them creative access to new people in new places. It's more about discipling co- coworkers and it's about living as a missionary in the workplace. So as I was talking with Nick, uh, he said that the market- marketplace ministry typically takes people across the globe uh, as international workers. And we can see that pretty clearly. So our church has sent out and is supporting many different uh, international workers that are scattered across the globe. And a number of them do their ministries through marketplace ministry. Uh, So Tyler and Kathy are one couple who do this. Uh, They've started a vocational training school uh, where they've been hoping to teach uh, different people different skills like being, uh, one that's more recent is being a barista, uh, people, uh, teaching people how to make jewelry, and they also do a number of different Uh, other things. I can't really remember it, and I was having a hard time finding all the specifics on what they do, um, just because they have to be creative on how they uh, share things. Uh, But they're using their skills to gain access to these new places and reach people uh, that might not actually be reached by a typical church or an outreach program that uh, missions teams might go do. They have to be creative in the way that they actually go and talk to these people. They have to bring them into their space And as they're teaching them, as they're giving them new skills, they're able to show who Jesus is through that and potentially have conversations of, hey, do you know God? Another good example of an international worker in the marketplace uh, would be Natasha. Natasha is overseas working as an English teacher. So although she might not explicitly mention uh, the name of Jesus within her classroom, she has the the unique opportunity to show different characteristics characteristics of Jesus as she teaches those that are in front of her. She's using her gift as an English teacher to gain creative access to groups of people who might not get uh, the chance to experience the love, power, and presence of Jesus. And I'm not sure exactly uh, what her ministries look like, what what it looks like outside of being a teacher within her country, Um, but she gets that opportunity because she's coming as an English teacher. She's able to use that skill to be able to spread the gospel in her own way. And these are just two examples of people who are living overseas, uh, using their skills to bring the gospel to new people in ways that uh, us as pastors might not be able to. I know that the countries that they're in, I would have a really hard time getting into those countries, let alone telling people about Jesus, because I have the title pastor and I've worked within a church. We can also see people using uh, their marketplace right here in Grand Prairie to spread the name of Jesus. And I'm sure that, so I'm sure that most of you have gone uh, to the McDonald's that's like right across the street from uh, the mall in Grand Prairie. But have you guys noticed that they basically only play Christian music? They're, they're using their opportunity to use their business uh, just to simply play Christian music. And I can almost guarantee that because they're willing to play that Christian music, they've had the doors open to some pretty cool uh, conversations about God with people who might not actually step foot within a church. 
because they're playing that music. When people go in, they might not be Christian, and as they're listening to the music, they might be like, hey, what is this? What are they talking about? And that could open the door to some really cool conversations that, again, as a pastor, I might not ever be able to have that kind of conversation with somebody. All of these people uh, that I just mentioned are using their marketplace and their gifts in ways uh, that are different and creative to be able to have conversations and begin uh, discipleship with those that are around us. And there's a call for all of us to go um, out into the world and make our own disciples within our marketplace. So although co-vocational ministry is applied to those called within church ministry, marketplace ministry is actually something that everybody can do. It's not just set to people who either own their own business or people who work overseas as international workers. Everybody has unique opportunities uh, within your given field uh, to, uh, of work to reach people who might not actually hear the gospel unless you're willing to talk to them. Myself, Pastor Amy, and Pastor Greg can only reach out and disciple so many people uh, in different areas. We don't have the skills that all of you guys do, so we don't have the access to the people that you guys do. But the truth is that um, we might not ever get a chance to interact with them. And you do. You have that hands-on experience. So Matthew uh, 28, 29 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey every command That's something that is called for every single one of us. It's called the Great Commission. And it's called that because it's for everybody. It's something that's great and something that's powerful. It's not just something that Jesus said, hey, these specific people who work in a church are called to then go out into the world to make disciples. It's a call for every single person who who believes in Christ. So we're called to go and make disciples, to teach others about Jesus and the Bible. And each of you have your own marketplace that you can make disciples in. Like Ian working within um, the financial world, I would never be able to get into that world because I am terrible with numbers. So the people that he's able to interact with are different than the people that I'd be able to interact with. Or Ryan Anderson working within uh, construction in the oil field. I don't work in those areas. And chances of me just running into them on the street is pretty slim and having that conversation is pretty slim but he has the opportunity because he's there face-to-face with them almost every day. Uh, So I know um, that Pastor Greg talked a little bit about being a disciple last week, um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more next week, but I want to give maybe a different way of looking at what it looks like uh, to make and be a disciple. Um, So I'm going to be using Star Wars. So how, how many of you guys have seen Star Wars? Only a handful. So some of these terms might be a little bit confusing, um, but hopefully as I explain it, it makes sense without actually having seen or read or heard about Star Wars. Uh, so within Star Wars, uh, there's, this, there's these kids called younglings. And these, they're basically like these really little kids. Um, they'd be like the same age that we would have like within our nursery or within our Sunday school. And these kids are all kids who have been identified as people who have the force within them and have the ability to potentially use the force. And basically what the force is, uh, is this ability to sense different things that are around them, but then also like interact with things with their minds, essentially. Um, So that's that's what the force is. And these younglings are people who are identified as having this. And then uh, these these younglings are then brought into uh, a temple, and they're taught about, within groups, just like we do within our Sunday school, they're taught within groups um, how to use the force. 
what that looks like, and some basic understanding. And then as they get older, uh, they're then paired with their own master who can help guide them more specifically. Uh, so their master also uh, see, their master also seems to be people who can see strengths and weaknesses uh, within them as they grow within that specific area. And we see that with our kids as they're growing up. Uh, they're starting to, you know, go off. They're not necessarily getting taught in groups anymore, um, but they're having more one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. And they have people within their life who can see uh, their strengths and weaknesses. And at this point within Star Wars, uh, the younglings are then called Padawans. Uh, they're now people who have their own master, they're more uh, getting taught one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and they're getting a deeper understanding. And they, at this point, they have a decent grasp of what the Force is and how to use uh, their power and how to use a lightsaber. And now, now they have somebody who can help them grow their skills and have a deeper understanding of what the Force is. And then once a Padawan has grown and matured uh, in their skills and understanding, uh, they now become a full-blown full Jedi. And once they're a Jedi, they're free to have their own Padawans and teach them and mentor them in the ways of the Force and show them what it looks like and what it means to be a Jedi. So this relates to being a disciple, I think, so well. So our kids, all of them, so everybody has the ability to have the Holy Spirit. They just have to ask Jesus into their life. Everybody has the ability to have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is kind of like the force. It's something that resides within you. Uh, you everybody has it. It just kind of needs to be awakened a little bit. And it gives you some divine powers called the gifts of the Spirit uh, that you wouldn't have unless somebody actually called out the Spirit within you. And then the lightsaber portion, I see that as somebody's Bible. Our Bible is what we use to fight the enemy. And as kids grow up, uh, they're kind of like the younglings when they're in the, uh, in the nursery and in the Sunday school, being taught within a group and given a basic understanding uh, of what the Bible says and who Jesus is. And then as they grow up, they're brought more into these one-on-one -on -one or these a couple-on-one. So like we would see that within youth group. Our youth group is designed in a way where I'll get up and teach for a little bit, but then they're sent off into their small groups. And their small groups, the girls' small groups are normally a little bit bigger. Uh, but it's, it's trying to get a smaller group of people with one adult who is stronger in their faith to help teach these students and have these deeper connections with them, to help grow in them, to help these kids grow, to be like, hey, I see these strengths in you, and I want to call them out. Or, hey, I see that you're actually really struggling in this area, and I want to call you out on that. And then as these kids grow, uh, they then become Padawans. They, just like myself and uh, my dad and my other buddy, my dad was our mentor, my dad was our master, and me and my buddy were the Padawans. We were growing and we were being taught. And then eventually we got to a point within our own faith, and it's like, man, I actually have a pretty good understanding. And I don't necessarily need my dad to walk hand in hand with me. I still go and talk to with him, I still have good conversations with him, he still disciples me to this day. But I have the ability now of being like, man, I am strong enough in my faith. I know enough about Jesus and I know enough about the Holy Spirit that I can go off on my own and not have to rely on somebody holding my hand the whole time. And then from there, I've been able to then do what I'm doing now. Tell others about who Jesus is. Uh, have some good one-on-one -on -one conversations with students and help them become the stronger Christian that they can be. That's, that's what being a disciple is like, being able to grow within your faith, 
walking along with somebody specifically within your faith, and then being able to walk on your, on, on your own within your faith without somebody walking hand in hand, and then going and doing that with somebody else and bringing somebody else up. That's what discipleship looks like. So being a disciple is growing in faith and maturity in Christ, and then going and making disciples yourself. Just as Jesus called us to make disciples of all nations, it doesn't stop at just you receiving guidance from your own mentor. It's about you receiving guidance from your mentor and then you being a mentor to the younger generations. So I want to close up by having you guys ponder this question. How are you being discipled and how are you discipling those around you? This morning, I, I intentionally didn't give clear-cut guidelines on what it looks to disciple somebody outside of growing with them, because that relationship is going to look totally different for everybody. Being, being discipled and discipling somebody is going to look very different in very different circumstances. So I intentionally didn't give you guys a clear-cut outline of this is what it looks like to be a disciple, or this is what kind of things happen within that relationship, because I think that it's something that is figured out for each individual and each relationship. But outside of that, I, I want you guys to ponder the question, how are you being discipled, and what does it look like for you to disciple those around you? We're going to move into uh, a closing song, and then I'll come back up for our benediction. So as we close this morning, I want to encourage you that if you aren't currently being discipled by somebody, pray and ask Jesus what it might look like uh, for you to be discipled by others. And that could be meeting with somebody on a regular basis, one-on-one, to have connections and conversations, to pray and be pointed towards Christ. Or it might be to join one of our connect groups. Our connect groups are a fantastic way to be discipled by those that are around you and to disciple those that are within that group. And for those who are currently being discipled, I want to encourage you to lean further into that and pursue that even more so that you can be a more effective disciple maker that you currently are. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be dismissed this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you've put this call on our lives, on all of our lives, but that it's actually something that's really simple to do, that it's just conversations that we have and knowing who you are. So God, I just bless our church that they would be strong disciple makers, that they would lean into that, that they would lean into uh, being discipled and then going and reaching um, those that are around them. So church, I bless you with the power of knowing who Christ is and knowing that he's already gone before you into every single conversation that you have. Amen. You are dismissed. Uh, We're also going to have some uh, prayer people up at the front here if you would like to come up for prayer. Um, Yeah, you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.